Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. Start your For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host. Let's go out there and have a good day, all right, bud? Dave Buchanan. Getting around Brad Keselowski, blocked just a few moments ago. Kyle Busch buries it down to the bottom. Kyle Larson to the inside of Jimmy Johnson for second. Grabs it, but Kyle Busch is long gone. It is 12th try. Kyle Busch comes to the line. He will win the 33rd edition of the All-Star Race. He's not won a race all year in the regular season. He finally gets the ship righted here tonight at Charlotte Motor Speedway. On WGR Sports Radio 550. That's how you heard it. Last night here on WGR. Good morning, race fans. 11.03 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening as always as Kyle Busch picked up the win in last night's Monster All-Star Race for the NASCAR Cup Series. Heard right here on WGR. The call courtesy of the Motor Racing Network with uh, Jeff Striegel, Joe Moore there on the call as Kyle Busch. Took the advantage on the final restart on the final segment of the race. Got by uh, Brad Keselowski with a bull move just after the green flag dropped and held off Jimmy Johnson in the final 10 laps to capture his first career all-star win, his first win of the season, and first win overall for Joe Gibbs Racing this season, in fact. It has been a struggle for Joe Gibbs Racing, but maybe Joe uh, Kyle Busch's win last night will turn their fortunes around here in 2017. Uh, great show lined up for you here this morning. Most importantly, the phone lines are open, 803-0551-888-552-550. Lots going on in the world of motorsports. You've got NASCAR at the All-Star break. You've got the Indianapolis 500 qualifying today, uh, the second half of qualifying, as we will uh, set the uh, field of 33 this afternoon at the Brickyard. Uh, local racing in full swing. All the tracks were wide open this weekend on Friday and Saturday, so lots to talk about and want to hear from you at 803-0551. 888-552-550. You can send us a tweet, too, at FastTrack550. And you can find us on Facebook, too, facebook.com slash WGR FastTrack. Coming up on today's program, in about 10 minutes or so, we'll talk to Woody Kane of the Motor Racing Network. Woody was on hand in Charlotte last night for the All-Star Race and was part of the broadcast. You will, uh, We'll talk to Woody in about 10 minutes, get his thoughts on the All-Star Race and some other uh, NASCAR hot topics going on there. And then coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll go back live to Indianapolis for the second week in a row and bring in Mark Jaynes from the IMS Radio Network. He'll be part of the broadcast next Sunday here on WGR when we carry live flag-to-flag coverage of the greatest spectacle in racing, the 101st running of the Indianapolis 500. As today is poll day at the Brickyard. Yesterday they had the first round of qualifying to lock in the Fast 9 that will have a shot at the poll for today. That includes Fernando Alonso. 
so they will uh, determine the top nine positions. Then the remaining drivers will also requalify to find out where they will start, whether it be 10th all the way back to the 33rd starting position. Also, a very scary incident yesterday at the Brickyard as Sebastian Bourdais hit the wall in qualifying very hard. Two, he was 227 miles an hour when he hit the wall in turn two. Very violent crash, and he has suffered... Uh, fractures to his pelvis and hip and has gone through surgery already and uh, is obviously very much doubtful for next Sunday's Indianapolis 500 for Dale Coyne Racing. So we'll also get Mark's thoughts on that, but just what uh, one of those sickening crashes. Uh, when you see it, you just know it is not good. Luckily, though, uh, S- Sebastian was alert and conscious for uh, the immediate moments after the impact. Uh but unfortunately, he did suffer a fractured pelvis. So once again, some hard hits at the Brickyard like we've seen in recent years. So we'll talk to Mark James about that at the bottom of the hour. We start this opening segment talking about NASCAR like we prefer to like to do here on the program. And last night's All-Star Race, they they NASCAR certainly tried to make a good All-Star Race. Unfortunately, the venue it continues to be the downfall of NASCAR's All-Star Race, much like... Every major sport, it seems like, they have a problem putting on a good all-star event. You know, we joke about how lame the Pro Bowl is. The NHL has uh, gussied up the formats for their all-star game, now with the the Divisional 3-on-3 format. And, you know, you've got the NBA's all-star games, decent. Um, Baseball all-star games had its problems over the years. You know, every major sport seems to have a problem with its all-star format, and NASCAR is no exception. They try every year. They try to put some new twist, some new spin on the all-star event, but in the end, Charlotte Motor Speedway is just not does not provide good racing. Mile-and-a-half track racing with these cup cars, is it just makes it hard. The track position, clean air, is just so dang important, and it, no matter how many quirks and format changes and this year we had the option tire uh everything you you try and throw at it just will not overcome the the advantage a lead car has in a mile and a half track and how hard it is to pass as we had very limited uh passing the most action was on the restarts and luckily there was plenty of those to at least provide some good action but in the end uh a sneaky pass by a Kyle Bush at the drop of the green flag on the final segment Snuck by Brad Keselowski and Jimmy Johnson and was able to lead from there and kind of pulled away. Good battle for second between Kyle Larson and Jimmy Johnson coming to the line with uh, Kyle going back to his, or Kyle Larson that is, going to his sprint car routes, put a little bit of a slide job there on the 48 in the final laps. But Kyle Busch had just uh, taken off from that point. As uh, Kyle Busch got the win, it was Kyle and Kyle Busch, then Larson. Jimmy Johnson was third, Kurt Busch fourth, and Jamie McMurray fifth. As uh, And then it was Harvick, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, and Denny Hamlin. Those were the top ten cars uh, after the first uh, the first uh, four segments. They had a high enough average running position to qualify for the uh, final segment, and they, uh, they settled it among themselves for the $1 million grand prize as uh, the field was pared down after the first four segments. Um, uh, and again, uh, drive, uh, excuse me, first three segments, that is, uh, and the driver's best average finishers determine who would be the top ten that went for the uh, checkered flag last night. And then you had the option tire that NASCAR brought in with Goodyear, the uh, grippier tires that allegedly would add would take off three to five-tenths of a second off your lap times, but didn't last as long. But not even those seem to really uh, be much of a factor 
again, compared to the the prospects of, of clean air with with these Cup cars, uh, it just did not ha- help as much either. It was a fun storyline, something fun to talk about leading up to the event. But really, once the green flag dropped, the uh, option tires uh, were not much of an issue. So the all-star race is in the books. NASCAR will be uh, back at it, uh, of course, next weekend with the Coca-Cola 600 as part of Memorial Day weekend. And like I said last week, uh, there are some guys in the point standings that are going to need to pick it up here. Because as history has shown us, although, of course, things could change this year with stage formats and everything, that the guys in playoff contention coming out of the Coke 600 generally wind up being the guys that make the playoffs by the end of the regular season. And there are some, there are a handful of pretty big names right now outside the top 16 and uh, not in contention for a playoff position at this moment. Uh, the bigger story I thought this week, though, in the NASCAR world was a report uh, courtesy of Jim Utter from uh, motorsport.com. And there are some potential uh, NASCAR schedule changes coming up uh, for the 2018 season. NASCAR continuing to work with their track partners in trying to provide an exciting schedule, and they've you know they've locked themselves in with these five year uh, sanctioning agreements, so it's it, you can't pull tracks off the schedule because they have uh, all, all have these five year agreements with NASCAR, so they can't lose a race. But you're seeing um, you know dates starting to move around. We already know that New, one of New Hampshire's dates is going to Las Vegas next year, and that's part of some of these rumored schedule changes. Uh, that Jim Utter reported this week uh, that that second date at Las Vegas that they're taking from New Hampshire next year, the which is traditionally a, a playoff race for the New Hampshire Motor Speedway, will go to Vegas, and that is actually going to be moved up in the playoffs. That is now going to be the kickoff to the playoffs instead of the Chicagoland Speedway, which has been the traditional opening race of the playoffs slash chase uh, pretty much uh, since we've gone to this chase format, at least in in recent memory, uh, that Chicago's always kind of been that first race. That'll now be Las Vegas, so that will be interesting, obviously, for its location. Uh, You know, they're moving the banquet out of Las Vegas, partially because of this second date, but now this second date gets a little more added importance because it is the kickoff to the playoffs and all the media circus that goes around with that. So that should be an interesting date, and they're going to move Chicago somewhere into the regular season, which is also a good thing because that Chicago date, you know, being usually the first week of the NFL season, uh, you know, the the Chicago market, you're fighting with the Bears, of course, no matter how bad they are, they still get a lot of attention. The Cubs, which have been really good the last couple of years, they're usually in playoff contention that time of year as well, too. So a lot on the plate of the Chicago sports market that time of year. So to move it into a, a summer date will uh, hopefully uh, maybe get that race a little bit more attention from its home base there in the Chicagoland area of Illinois. The other big move is the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Brickyard 400, which has traditionally been a early August, late July event. I think it's like the last weekend in July this year. Uh, yeah, July 23rd it is actually. Um, it's you know it used to be like first week August. They're moving that uh, as the final race of the regular season, a date that's usually belonged to Richmond. And this is the one rumor change that I do not like at all uh, because Indianapolis, much like the mile-and-a-half tracks, is not a conducive track for great racing. And you're going to have guys trying to earn points or a win to put themselves into the playoffs, and that's their last chance to do it. And they're going to be at a track in Indianapolis, which is going to be very difficult to pass on. And that could be a challenge for for several guys. Uh which, of course, opens up the possibility of some strange, unique pit strategy, especially with the stage formats. 
So that might make things interesting, but for, for making up positions on track, it could be uh, quite a challenge at the Indianapolis Motor Speed. The other thing I don't like about the move is going back to the Chicago thought with the sports market. You're going to Indianapolis uh, you could be, you know, up against opening day at the uh, at the Lucas Oil Stadium for the Colts that day. I mean, you've already got, uh, you, you know, it, it, you're right in the middle of football season there in Indianapolis the, the, with the Colts. Uh, I just don't think uh, that was a wise move when you're already struggling to sell tickets for an event to put it up against a Colts game, a potential home game for the Colts. Uh, not the, maybe the best thing in the world. But it'll uh, definitely bring some added intrigue to the uh, in the Brickyard 400 date. One thing to keep an eye on, though, with Indianapolis and stock car racing is when we do go there later this year at the end of July is actually the Xfinity Series race because they're going to be trying a lot of unique stuff with the Xfinity cars at the Brickyard this July for their race, including putting restrictor plates on the cars. And if we get an enhanced on-track product because of that, and NASCAR decides to put those rules on the Cup Series next year, that could, you know, then definitely spice things up, uh, spicing things up uh, for that being the final date of the regular season. Uh, Richmond's race, which is usually the last race of the regular season, they actually get bumped into the playoffs, so we'll have an extra uh, short track date for the postseason. So that, again, was a report uh, from Jim Utter of Motorsport.com. Right now, though, let's go to the AT&T hotline and bring in one of the voices you heard on the broadcast last night of the All-Star Race here on WGR. Woody Kane joins us from the Motor Racing Network. Woody, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Good morning to you. Well, Woody, it has been a, a great week to be Kyle Busch and his family. They uh, they were in Washington doing a little lobbying for one of their personal causes with uh uh, fertility, uh, Brexton had a second birthday, and then Kyle goes out and wins the truck race and wins the All-Star race. Pretty good week for the Bush family, to say the least. Yeah, not too shabby at all for, for Kyle Bush, And uh, he could have had, you know, he did have, but uh, the week before at Kansas, for all intents and purposes, was Ben Rhodes' race. And even Kyle wouldn't do a burnout after that and said, you know, he had the best truck and we couldn't catch him. Yeah, obviously uh, Kyle going back to back with the the trucks, uh, winning the week before and then getting the win uh, on Friday night at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Woody, what was your overall takeaway from the All Star Race last night and uh, the format that they used for this year's event? Well, I think it was a noble effort. I think there were some good ideas and some good concepts, but uh, in in many instances, in many sports, or in many walks of life, the first thing that you try may not always be. Uh, the final thing that winds up working. I think we're still in a situation, even with downforce off the cars for the past couple of years, where clean air is still the king in terms of uh, the mile-and-a-half tracks in particular. It's better at the super speedways, better at the road courses, better at the short tracks, but the bread and butter is the mile-and-a-half track, and clean air on the nose is still king right now. Now, the softer tire, the option tire, I think was a good concept. I think it worked Somewhat, mm-hmm. but I think the tire needs to be a little softer so that they can get more of an advantage. When we saw some guys put it on in the early stages, they would pick up two, three, maybe four spots at the most and then kind of settle in right there. They didn't fall back necessarily. The tires leveled off, didn't really drop off a whole lot more after that point. And you see this from time to time on certain tires. They'll level off and just kind of stay where they are instead of continuing to fall off. I think there wasn't enough of a difference between that prime tire and that option tire to where it was really uh, a strategy card that a, a crew chief could play in some in some you know creative ways, even though 
uh, Mike Bogaravich with, with Clint Boyer did try to go two and two, and, and people, as they are wont to do in this sport, I know this won't come as a shock to you, <laughs> wave their arms, oh, they're cheating, whoa, they can't do that. They're <laughs> almost like they do in golf where they're always looking to bust somebody. But it didn't work out that way, and Boyer went you know backwards immediately on that last restart. But I like it when they have different cards to play, different strategies they can try. This one, I think, simply didn't quite go far enough with how much quicker that tire was going to be. Remember, we came in with Goodyear saying it could be three-tenths to five-tenths quicker. Denny Hamlin, when he ran it the first time, said in his experience it was a tenth and a half to maybe two-tenths quicker, but it only lasted for six or seven laps before it started to, to lose that luster. It seems like it might have been a better option, maybe if that had been a day race, maybe it if it, you know a little more hot, slick conditions, maybe that would have had a little bit more effect versus uh, running the race at night like they do. Uh, not advocating for them over the All Star race to the afternoon, but just just, uh, just my uh, knee jerk reaction from that with the tires last night. Uh, we we did you know see a, a lot of impressive runs, uh, most notably from a points leader Kyle Larson, Woody, and uh, he continues to impress this year and uh, made a nice move there on Jimmy Johnson at the end of the race to wind up finishing second. And uh, just what a talent that young man! We knew he was talented, but now it seems like that the Ganassi team has gotten the right equipment around him, and it's really paying off this year for the forty two team. Yeah, they've gotten better, and and this is this is no fluke. They've led the standings virtually all the way from uh, from the opening gun here, and uh, and and it's interesting to watch the evolution of Kyle Larson. Remember how he used to always want to be up in the high group because that's what gave him a lot of success in his dirt track racing. Now you see him searching for lines. Maybe the car doesn't work as well here. I can go there and try it and see how it goes. And they're they're fast almost every single weekend, almost every single track. And, you know, I understand that, that Kyle Busch won. He's probably the best or, or one of the best restarters on the circuit. But uh, anybody who watched those first couple of segments knows that that 42 car was bad fast as well. What do you, one of the other big stories coming out of this weekend is the 43 team, of course, Eric Almarola suffering the uh, the vertebra injury. Uh, last weekend at Kansas, and he made some public comments. Uh, I believe it was on Friday there at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and uh, he gave a very detailed description of what he's kind of gone through. And uh, unfortunately, he's going to be out eight to twelve weeks. But uh, Eric was was uh, very forthcoming with with details of what happened to him last week. Yeah, and he there was some speculation beforehand that this was a. Uh, not as severe an injury as Denny Hamlin had when he missed about four weeks or Tony Stewart's injury. But then Eric said, you know, eight to 12 weeks, and the doctors were there with him when he was making his comments. And the thing I can't get out of my head that he he said in terms of not wanting to rush things and not wanting to get back, you know, too soon and, and put himself at risk is he, he's got two young kids, and he said, I want to one day be able to dance at my daughter's wedding. And that just kind of that just kind of made it hit home for me, and it stuck with me. You seem that that's uh, something we're getting more and more of out of NASCAR, Woody. I mean, you had the days of you know Daryl Waltrip uh, driving with a broken leg and driver, you know Ricky Rudd with his eyelids taped open and everything at Daytona, and and now there has been such a major shift. You look at Carl Edwards retiring, Dale Jr. What he's gone through with concussions, drivers thinking more about the long term. Uh, consequences of their injuries. I'm not. I'm not saying that that DW or Ricky Rudd was uh, ignorant or anything, but it's just just a shift in perspective by by NASCAR drivers these days when it comes to injuries. 
Yeah, I remember it wasn't all that long ago, it seems, that, that, that Dale Earnhardt practically had to be dragged out of his car kicking and screaming when he was really too hurt to drive and it was at a road course. And, boy, you know, because it, it, we talked with Dale Jr. about this a little bit on Thursday. Back in that era, you could you could easily get Wally pipped out of your seat. If a guy comes in, fills in, and does better than you were, well, then that guy might wind up having your seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you might wind up out of luck. It's a little bit of a different animal now with, you know, the sponsor connections and all that. But I think this is something that we're seeing in, in a lot of sports that are, are contact sports. Look at how just a, a year or two ago people were gasping with shock when some of these young linebackers would say in football, yep, I'm done, I'm not going to do this anymore. And mm-hmm. it's because we know more now about the the severity of injuries and how they can affect you long-term, and guys are paying attention to that, and rightly so. Woody Keen from the Motor Racing Network joining us here on WGR's Fast Track. Woody, just before I had you on, I was going through some of the potential changes for the Cup Series schedule that uh, Jim Utter for Motorsport.com kind of broke this week. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the report, but uh, from what you've seen, just what what was your initial reaction to the possibilities of uh, Vegas becoming the kickoff race for the playoffs and Indy, uh, the Brickyard 400, possibly being the final race of the regular season? I think the, the Vegas thing is interesting because that's a community that got together and agreed to put a few million dollars behind the effort. Uh, I think Vegas will certainly be able to uh, gin up some hoopla about the start of the playoffs in mm-hmm. a way that Chicago didn't because, you know, you've got football, basketball, baseball, and a host of other things in Chicago and and NASCAR late to the party there, not through any fault of their own necessarily, but trying to get their foot in that door was a little bit of a tougher sell. In Vegas, at least until the NFL moves there, it's really going to be the biggest game in town. Now you've got two cup races out there. The only thing I worry about with that situation is the everybody's talking about how wonderful it's going to be to have a couple of triple headers out there, and it will be, but the expense for the truck teams to travel that far twice a year instead of once a year is going to be something uh, to, to keep an eye on and, and keep in, in consideration budgetary-wise for those teams. And uh, you mentioned Indianapolis. Thank the Lord they have moved that thing to where it might not be 10,000 degrees a <laughs> day. Oh, my goodness. I've had many drivers tell me that even if the temperature, the outdoor temperature, is not that hot on that particular day, uh-huh. that track to them feels like the hottest place that they race. And I don't know if it's you know the shape of it that is uh, an air circulation thing, but I've been there many times. Uh, you mentioned Kyle Busch earlier when he won there. Just fall out when they get out of the seat. They have to sit down, water dumped all over them, ice packs on them. It's just exceedingly hot there. Uh, the way the schedule is now, and maybe this will help a little bit. But uh, if they can't get the competition end of it straight at that track, yeah. it's not going to make all that much difference. I mean, people might be more apt to buy a ticket if it's 75 degrees versus 95 degrees, but you still got to be able to put on a good show to get them to come back. Yeah, that I wasn't a, I'm not a fan of it right now, that, that idea because of the competition, but that was also one thought I did have, too, when it came out. I'm like, oh, yeah, it, it might not be 100 degrees there because that has been an issue with having that race either be the first week of August or the last week of July can be uh, very hot. Woody, uh, last thing before we let you go, uh, you know, traditionally coming out of the Coke 600, your, your playoff field is kind of set. You don't see a lot of movements during the summer months unless a, a, a kind of an outsider can, can steal a win at some point during the summer months but 
going into the Coke 600, we've got some big names on the outside looking in, and, and, and with playoff contention, guys like Matt Kenseth, Daniel Suarez, Austin Dillon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I mean, there's going to be some guys scrambling this summer, maybe to, to get a win to bump their way into the playoffs. Well, let's remember we've still got two restrictor plate races left, and Dale Jr. is awfully good at Talladega and Daytona. Uh, you've got Matt Kenseth, who is, is going to be there. I mean, that's that's Matt's forte. He just kind of goes along, and suddenly you look up. When he wins races and he's really running well, you'll go, where did he come from? Mm-hmm. You, know, you haven't really paid attention to him all day, and suddenly he's right there. I think the... The, the other thing that you mentioned there with, with Austin Dillon, he hasn't uh, gotten his first victory yet, but they're getting better. I think they're moving in the right direction. And then uh, Daniel Suarez, I mean, my gosh, he wasn't even expected to be in that seat. Sure. He's doing better than expected. And he changed his crew chief, gets uh, Scott Graves back, his Xfinity Series crew chief. And I think they're trending in the right direction. They're making gains on it and making strides. We know that's good equipment. But we also know that good equipment alone is not enough. It really is a meshing of the team, the driver, the crew chief, and the equipment all into one before that thing's really going to take off and fly. I think there, there's going to be some different winners. we still got a couple of road courses yet to go, yep. and that can produce some, some surprising results. So we may see some different guys that we haven't thought of yet who pop up into this. And we could even have a situation, we haven't seen it yet, where we have more winners than playoff spots, and then you get down to – you know, the points with all these stage uh, stage racing events that they have now where guys can pile up some points that way. I mean, even even look at uh, Joey Logano. He gets the win, but it's encumbered because of a, a post-race tech violation, so he can't really use that for playoff credit. Should be a fun summer. Woody Kane for the Motor Racing Network, uh, thank you so much. I know it's kind of an off day for you with uh, working late last night. We appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and hopefully we'll talk again soon. You bet. It was fun. All right. Woody Kane from the Motor Racing Network. For more, you can go to uh, MRN.com. They have uh, plenty of news on the NASCAR world on their website. They also have uh, the Motor Racing Network app. You can download your smartphone. Uh, You can get all sorts of race and qualifying broadcasts that you can't hear on WGR through their app, and also uh, more content as well, too. We come back. We'll switch from stock cars to indie cars as Mark James from the IMS Radio Network will join us when we get back here on Fast Track on WGR. Eleven thirty-three here on WGR Sports Radio five fifty Dave Buchanan and WGR's Fast Track got a call during the break and I know the caller got his answer but I figure it's worth mentioning anyway. Uh, we talked about Eric Almarola and his injury again likely to be out eight to twelve weeks because of that fractured vertebra. Regan Smith drove the car last night uh, in the open race, failed to qualify for the All Star race, but still finished fourth. Uh, I don't. No announcement has been made, to my knowledge, that RPM Motorsports has chosen who will drive the car at Charlotte next week. Obviously, Regan Smith to be the likely candidate, but uh, still no official word on who will drive the 43 next week at Charlotte. Uh, interesting story that came out of that search. Uh, Alan Cavana of Fox Sports had a report this week that RPM, Richard Petty Motorsports, actually reached out to Carl Edwards. And uh, Carl uh, respectfully declined to uh, not drive the 43, of course. Carl retired uh, right before the season started back in January. And, well, he's not going to pull a Jeff Gordon and, and jump back behind the wheel, at least not for uh, not for the 43 team, at least. So uh, Carl Edwards was asked as a potential substitute driver for Eric Almarola, but again, declined the offer from Richard Petty Motorsports. Uh, 803-0551, 888-550-2550. 
Coming up this afternoon, it is uh, qualifying for the Indianapolis 500 as they will uh, set the field of 33. Yesterday was round one of qualifying. The fastest nine are locked in to today's uh, qualifying to have a shot at the pole, while the remaining drivers will have to settle for positions uh, 10, 10 through 33. And with that, we'll go to the AT&T hotline and bring in one of the voices you'll hear next Sunday here on WGR during the broadcast of The Greatest Spectacle in Racing. The 101st running of the Indianapolis 500 joins us. Mark James is on the line. Mark, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Hi, Dave. How are you? Doing fantastic. Uh, great to talk to you once again, Mark. And uh, we're in the thick of it now, just a week away from the Indianapolis 500. Mark, what does this time of year mean to you and uh, getting a chance to be there at the Brickyard during the month of May? Well, I know businesses talk about Christmas in July as part of their advertising campaign, but for us, it's uh, it's another Christmas time in May, if you will. Uh, two years ago, I moved uh, within the shadows of this facility. I mean, I'm a I'm a 15 minute walk from the pagoda, and and so uh, it it teases me throughout the course of the year uh, because on many of the routes that I take to and from my house, I can I can see the pagoda uh, no matter what time of day or night that it is, and and whenever the multiple forms of, 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 of series that run here have test sessions, I can hear them. Uh, whenever there's a concert, I can hear it from my front yard. And so, you know, uh, while certainly the racing appetite uh, is wet throughout the course of the season uh, with all of the races that we do on the Advanced Auto Parts IndyCar Radio Network, um, uh, this obviously is our Super Bowl. Uh, and, and for a kid that grew up in central Indiana, uh, having fallen in love with this place at a, at a very early age, uh, to be able to come to to work, and I use that term loosely here, uh, for now 22 years, is, um, you know, I, 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 Dave, I'd have been satisfied after one year, because uh, that's more than a lot of guys get to do it, but uh, in my second year as anchor, my 22nd overall with the network, I, I'm, I'm just one of the, the, the luckiest guys in this business, for sure. I think the only thing I could remotely equate to that is the fact that I live 20 minutes from Niagara Falls. I think that's the only thing I could remotely uh, link to, to having that experience of being within uh, walking distance of the famed, in, in, famed Indianapolis Motor Speedway and be able to just see it almost on a daily basis. I think that's the only thing close in my personal experience. Uh, of course, as I said, uh, you got qualifying kicked off yesterday. No thanks to, to Mother Nature kind of holding up the proceedings. But you've, we've got our Fast 9 for today with Ed Carpenter, Takuma Sato, Scott Dixon, Jerry Hildebrand, Alexander Rossi, Will Power, Fernando Alonso, Tony Kanan, to Marco Andretti. Marco, what do you think of these nine gentlemen that'll have a shot at the pole this afternoon? Well, I think it shows some variety, but I also think it shows that there's some guys that are at this point, I think, especially uh, uh, mostly with Team Penske, uh, you know, are, are focused on the race they set up. And, and those that did not get into the fast nine, their post-qualifying comments suggested just that. Uh, you know, they were disappointed in not making the fast nine because they understand Sometimes you can be placed in harm's way and your day can be ruined if you start deep in the field for something that was really outside of your control. Um, but, but, but I think, you know, this is a place where Montoya has referenced it a couple of times that he fell all the way to 33rd a couple of years ago and eventually won the race. Uh, if the fuel strategy and the pit stops fall your way, um, you can start pretty deep in the field and still have a very good day here for sure. And the drivers that have done that have referenced that, Ryan Hunter-Ray, for instance. But uh, I, I think a, a very interesting fast nine for sure. And uh, I'm, I'm sure no one happier uh, uh, than, than, than Chevrolet with uh, the performance that uh, 
that Ed Carpenter uh, put on display yesterday in, in, in being the top qualifier of the Fast Nine. And uh, Ed is hopeful uh, that he's able to, to, to back that up today. But uh, uh, certainly a number of compelling stories. I mean, Takuma Sato, don't forget he's in a car uh, that, that Carlos Munoz uh, finished second here with uh, for Andretti Autosport a year ago. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a fast race car. And, 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 and Taku was, you know, he led, uh, you know, I believe 31 laps here a couple of years ago um, with, with, with Ray Allletter and Lanigan and had that incident with Dario Franchitti uh, going for the race win. Uh, so, you know, he's a guy that knows the fast way around here. And, uh, you know, obviously Tony Canaan does. And uh, uh, how about the, the job that uh, Fernando Alonso did? I mean, the, uh, the beneficiary of uh, the tutelage of, of, of the legend Shield of Farron and, and also Andretti Autosport, who typically run well here. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that there was necessarily a, a, a big surprise among sure. the Fast Nine. There was some disappointment among those that didn't make it. It's kind of surprising because throughout most of the year, Penske has dominated uh, qualifying on roads and street courses. But uh, uh, they, they certainly didn't dominate qualifying yesterday. And how about your your defending race winner, Alexander Rossi? What What a year this young man has had going from – almost obscurity in North America, at least when it came to motorsports, to his surprise victory in this race a year ago. And now his, you know, his focus has shifted to being a full-time IndyCar driver, and, and he qualified fifth yesterday, so he has a chance to uh, defend his title from the pole position. It's been quite a story for that young man. Well, I think he's ready to prove that last year was not a fluke, despite the manner in which he won the race. And, uh, I mean, you go back to Long Beach, uh, it, it was shocking to me that, that all four Andretti cars fell out for one reason or another and all had DNFs. And, uh, I mean, Alexander Rossi was poised to win that race and certainly finished on the podium. Uh, I mean, he's he's been fast. He's He's gone through the circuit one time now. He's more familiar with the racetrack. He's getting more and more familiar with the race cars and the setup and whatnot. And uh, I don't think Alexander Rossi has any interest in being a novelty. He's a guy that wants to compete for race wins and and championships, and um, I, I think he, he feels pretty confident in, in his abilities now as well he should, and uh, I, I think he's, he's, he's a contender come race day, no doubt about it. Uh, of course, we, we need to talk about, unfortunately, that, that horrible crash for Sebastian Bourdais. Uh, just uh, here's a guy that's had some bad luck. I mean, he uh, motor problems at Phoenix and the road course race at Indy there last weekend, and now this, this terrible hit at 227 miles an hour. Uh, so fractured pelvis. He's had to have surgery, but uh, still, I guess the result could have been a lot worse. There was a lot of safety safety implementations that protected him from even worse injuries with a hit like that. Uh, it's multi layered. The Hans device uh, certainly first and foremost. Um, I think too the safer barrier uh, played a large role in that. Uh, our, our Nick Yeoman timed it. I think it took the Hamato safety crew around ten seconds to get to him. Um, some of the changes that, that, that were made uh, after James Hinchcliffe's horrible accident two years ago to kind of uh, beef up the, the sides of the race car and the cockpit and whatnot, nothing, nothing uh, got into the cockpit. I mean, it, it remained essentially intact, and, and as a result, he was able to remain conscious uh, throughout the hit. And, and, uh, and so, you know, it just so many layers of safety innovations and 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 a lot of those are 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 thanks to you know what has been done uh, through the verizon indycar series uh i i think it's as a result uh, sebastian bourdais i believe as marshall pruitt from racer magazine put in his article is able to hug and kiss his kids this morning and uh 
and our thoughts and prayers continue to be with him for a full and, and speedy recovery. And it, 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 I don't think there's been any formal announcement yet about what Dale Coyne's intentions are for that car. Some rumors out there, but I don't I don't deal in those. We'll just have to wait for the formal announcement to see if they even qualify today. Yeah, and obviously that uh, one of the the lo- lower budget teams, uh, not not trying to make them sound like they're not a quality team, but obviously compared to the Andretti's and Ganassi's of the world and Penske's of the world, they're dealing with a little bit smaller budget, so it could be hard for them to put together a uh, ride to replace that 18 car that crashed yesterday. Uh, Mark James from the IMS Radio Network joining us here on WGR. And, uh, of course, uh, this week there's a a big uh, multi-city media tour for the the stars of the IndyCar series, and one of them's coming to Buffalo here this week. Graham Rahal's going to come to town with the folks from Watkins Glen International. And uh, you know, qualified right in the middle of the field yesterday. What do you think of uh, Graham's chances and his season so far uh, with uh, his Ray Hall uh, Letterman Lanigan team so far this year? Well, I think he's happy to get to May and have a teammate Oriel Serbia. I mean, he's he's a one man band, uh, and and he has expressed his frustration over the course of the of the season as a result. I mean, he has nobody to share data with, nobody to help him on the racetrack. Uh, that's a one-car team, but they have the veteran Oriole Serbia here with them, which uh, uh, Graham is thrilled to have him as a teammate, and yet he expressed some concern yesterday. They made some changes to the race car that, that they felt like that should have made them faster and, and weren't, and, and didn't really point a negative finger at Honda, but said he certainly has some, some questions for them in the way they, they set their cars up because of the success that Andretti Autosport had. Um, Graham is certainly a contender. I mean, he, he always finds a way to the front regardless of, of how he qualifies. Uh, I think we've seen a, a maturation out of him over the past couple of years. And uh, you remember two years ago, contended for a championship, really disappointed in how last year panned out. And uh, as big a story as it was last year when Alexander Rossi won the Indianapolis 500, if that next generation of Ray Hall or that next generation of Andretti, for instance, would get to victory lane on race day, I think, I think it would be a massive story as well. And I, and I don't think either one are out of the question. Mark Janes from the IMS Radio Network. Mark, we are looking forward to hearing you and your colleagues uh, next week here on WGR for coverage of the greatest spectacle in racing. Uh, I, I love that day so much. I come in here, do my show in the morning, and then I, I hop in my car to get home so I can I can watch the race of the TV. But one of the things I enjoy the most is I get in my car, turn on WGR, and I that theme music, and then to hear uh, you and all your colleagues' voices, Donald Davidson, everybody, just, just to listen to that open to that broadcast is also a great thrill for me. Uh, really looking forward to next Sunday. Uh, I know today's a busy day for you. Thank you for the time. Uh, well, you're a proud affiliate, we know, and a valued affiliate. We appreciate it, and uh, and we don't want to wish our lives away or the season, but uh, we're so thrilled to be back to Watkins Glen, and, uh, and we hope to see a great crowd there come uh, Labor Day weekend when we head back to one of the greatest racing facilities in the world there in the, in the beautiful state of New York. Thank you for the time. All right, Mark. Enjoy the race next Sunday. Will do. Thanks. Mark James from the IMS Radio Network. Again, we will have live flag-to-flag coverage of the Indianapolis 500 here next Sunday on WGR. Part of that great day of motorsports, the Grand Prix of Monaco will be on the air at 11 o'clock, right leading up to coverage of the Indy 500, and then, of course, the uh, nightcap with the, the Coke 600 
for the NASCAR uh, Cup Series. We come back. We'll wrap up this week's edition of the program. We've got our local racing roundup. Actually, so, uh, lots of race to, results to get to. Not a lot of rain talk to, to, to uh, mention here in their results, so that's a good thing. We'll come back and wrap up Fast Track here on WGR. And we'll start with the Friday night action. Lancaster National Dragway. It was Brian Hitchcock getting the win in top ET. Ryan Rickinson in mod ET. Lucas Salemi in bikes and sleds. Fast Eddie Semlich got the win in street. And Jason Bazink in... Uh, Buffalo Street Outlaws there Friday night at Lancaster. Freedom Motorsports Park opened up their season. Their new Outlaw Modified class, Brad Rapp, got the win over Ron Cartwright, Adam Hilton, and Patrick Emmerling finished fourth in just his second Dirt Modified start. James Michael Friesen got the win in the Sportsman. Al Brewer in the Street Stocks. Brad Shepard got the win in the Mini Stocks. Ransomville had to cancel their Friday night action due to track conditions. Saturday night, Genesee Speedway, Greg Majewka picked up the win in the Sportsman feature over Tony Pangrazio. John Zimmerman got the 360 late model win. Oh, boy, I'm going to butcher this name. Kenny Bignush got the win in the Street Stocks. I apologize if I got that wrong over Byron DeWitt. Chad Dickinson in the Mini Stocks. James Gayton in the Mini Stocks. And Allison DeWitt got the win in the Bandits at Genesee Speedway on Saturday. Lancaster Speedway last night. Chuck Hosfeld winning second week in the row in the Sportsman. Max Northam got his first career street stock win, and Chris Pinnell got his first career four-cylinder win at Lancaster. Holland Speedway opened up their season last night. Kirk Totten got the win in the Pro Modifieds over Patrick Emmerling and Tommy Catalano. Tim Welshens got the win in the Chargers. Bob Palmer, an emotional victory for Bob. His dad, Butch Palmer, the, the butcher from the Bisons, who passed away this offseason, he got the win in the Hornets. Dave Wallaber in the TQ Midgets. Bryce Norton in the Legends, Darren Lenhardt in the Sixes, and Marty Hughes got the win in the Figure Eights. Wyoming County International Speedway in Perry also opened their season, and it was Dave Krosick in the Super Stocks, Paul Fly in the Four Cylinders, and Alan Bookmiller got the win in the uh, SST Modifieds at Wyoming County International Speedway last night. Also, Merrittville Speedway in action yesterday. Matt Williamson got the win in the Modifieds over Mike Bowman and Tim Jones. Brad Rouse got the win in the Sportsman. Brent Bigelow in the Mod Lights. Greg Rauscher in the Novice Sportsman. And Dave Bailey, Brewster Baker himself, got the win in the uh, Hoosier Stocks. Speaking of the Merrittville Speedway, tomorrow, of course, is Victoria Day in Canada. They have their uh, big Brian Stevens Memorial Race tomorrow, plus uh, the Rush Late Models, all part of the action tomorrow at the Merrittville Speedway. Uh, tomorrow night. So if you're looking for some Monday night racing action, uh, tonight's racing at the Humberstone Speedway has been rained out already. They've already decided to pull the plug, so their season continues to be delayed, unfortunately, over there in Port Colborne. Uh, tonight, though, uh, the World of Outlaws event at Weedsport is still on as scheduled as of right now, from, from what I can tell. And also, Weedsport has the Super Dirt Car Big Block Modifieds on Monday night, too, so you've got your choices for some Monday night racing action. Coming up this week, Thursday night, Lancaster has a race uh, that was uh, rained out a couple weeks ago, so they'll be running Thursday night at 7 o'clock, and then uh, all your uh, traditional uh, weekend tracks Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. So a busy race weekend if you're a local racing fan with uh, Monday and Thursday action uh, to look forward to. Again, it'll be on next week. Kind of to kick things off with the Indy 500 and the Coke 600 will be your preview to that. Hope you tune in and join us. It'll be on uh, 11 a.m. regular time, apparently. And then we'll, we'll lead you right up to uh, the green flag of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, Graham Rahal will be in town this week uh, on Tuesday. And right now I have him scheduled to uh, chat with him and sit down. So we'll have that for you next week, hopefully. 
I always announce these things and then they fall apart. So hopefully this doesn't. And uh, we'll be able to talk to Graham on Tuesday and you'll be able to hear it on Sunday as uh, he is coming to town as part of the big uh, Indy 500 uh, media event. Uh, Last year, of course, they brought Joseph Newgarden to town and this year it's going to be Graham Rahal. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next Sunday here on WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.